Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. So I was going to ask the question, how's everyone's year of 2023 going? I was, I was going to say maybe Margaret's not so good, but then it's become good. How about everyone else? You've been setting goals? Yeah, a couple of nods. How are you going with the goals? Because you know, we're already a quarter of the way through the year. Yeah. Does that feel nice? Yeah. Quarter of the way through. And what seems to go hand in hand with setting goals and tracking progress is people posting photos on social media with the hashtag, living my best life. Yeah? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Society tells us, though, that living your best life means going on exquisite, lavish holidays or dining at expensive, posh restaurants where they give you a massive plate, but then they just put one mushroom on it. (laughs) And they call it premium Mediterranean mushroom, dusted with yellow volcanic rock salt, drizzled with Amazonian triple extra virgin olive oil, and massaged for one hour. <laughs> Look, give me a decent chicken pad CU, and I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> or better yet, my wife Laura's roast lamb cutlets. That's my new favorite dish. You have to try it. Well, I would invite you, but then I'd have to share it with you. So that's not going to happen. So you'll just have to take my word for it. But living your best life. Society also tells us that living your best life means buying that new car or that big house by the beach, or if Laura had her way, it'd be the big house in the rainforest. Who likes, who would want a house in the rainforest? No, <laughs> that's a big no. How about a house by the beach? That's, that's my preference, yeah, yeah. Hey, they're all, they're all good. I did a little uh, search on Instagram for the hashtag living your best life to see what, what do people put up. I saw lots of photos of people in gym clothes flexing their muscles. Lots of people in gym clothes sucking their belly in. I saw people in picture-perfect holiday destinations. I saw a goat. And I saw fancy sports cars. But is this what it means to live your best life? I also did another search on the internet for living your best life. And I got lots of different tips, different advice for how to live your best life. The advice includes get up before sunrise. Drink green juice, eat avocado on toast, have a minimalist home, work for a company that you believe is making a difference, be more you, whatever that means, break bad habits, set goals, eat less cake, exercise more often. Now, some of the items on this list, the decent general well-being advice, some of them are just plain confusing, but is this what it means to live your best life? No. No, this is not what it means to live your best life. Now, there's nothing wrong with a holiday. There's nothing wrong with waking up early. And it's actually a wise idea to eat healthy food and take care of your body. But even if you did everything on this list, even if Peter went and put on his gym clothes and flexed in front of the mirror and took photos, (laughs) even if you took a photo of yourself on a beach with your feet up, and you're drinking a spinach and ginger smoothie, 
you're still not living your best life. Do you feel like you're living your best life right now? Yeah, great. Or for some of you who didn't say yes, do you feel like, could there be more? Do you ever wonder that? Well, I want to tell you today that yes, the answer is yes, there is more to life than all of these things that I've been talking about. Do you want to know how to live your best life? Yeah? Great. Greg, do you want to know how to live your best life? Good. Just checking. Wasn't sure if you came here to listen and learn something or if you just came to stare at me for half an hour. Well, let me start by telling you two stories about my three-year-old son, Isaiah. The other day I was putting him to bed and he picked up his nappy and he put it on his head. Now, that's not where a nappy goes. What's, what's a nappy used for? It's to catch your wee and your poo. So I took it off his head, I put it where it should go and therefore where it would be effective and where it would serve the purpose that it was designed for because it wouldn't be doing much good if I left a nappy on his head. Now also, Isaiah loves drumming and he'll drum on anything that he can get his hands on. Andrew knows because he's in my life group and Isaiah comes along and makes lots of noise. So he'll drum on anything. And we were at the beach the other day and he had his plastic bucket and a plastic spade. And what do you do at the beach? You, you, you get your plastic spade and you pick up the sand and you put the sand in the bucket. But what did Isaiah do? He says, I'm going to drum. So he gets the bucket, turns it upside down and starts bashing on it with his spade. Not drumming, bashing it. And so, of course, the spade broke. Now, it's not much good for anyone anymore. So why did I tell you these two stories? Well, if we don't use things the way that they were designed to be used, they're not going to do much good for anyone. And in the same way, if we don't live our lives the way that God has designed us to live, we won't bring much good to anyone. And in fact, we may even find ourselves in a whole lot of hurt and pain, brokenness and anger, because choosing to not live the way that God has designed you to live means choosing to miss out on all the joy and the peace and the freedom that you could be having. But I need to pause here and say that even if you did your very best to live your life the way that God has designed you to live, there is still sickness. There will still be struggles in this life. Jesus makes that very clear. But God is our provider and God is our healer and he is able to restore your brokenness and comfort your peace and remove your shame. And he's even able to use all of these things for good because as you read in Romans 8, 28, he, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So not just in the good times of life, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So what am I saying here? Living your best life means living the way that God has designed you to live. And what is the result of living this way? Well, it's greater fulfillment than what you'd get out of eating your massaged mushroom. It's longer-lasting peace than you would get from the relaxation of your holiday, which, as we all know, ends as soon as you get back home. 
But as I said just now, it doesn't mean that you'll never face challenges in life. But if you live the way that God has designed you to live, then God will grow you in every area of your life so that when you face those challenges, you'll have the strength to persevere. You'll have the wisdom to make the right choices. You'll have the faith to believe that He's making a way through the wilderness. You'll have the courage to act on the the wise decisions that you've made. You'll have peace through it all, knowing that He has a plan. And that plan ends with you being with Him for eternity, where there is no more pain, no more sickness, no disappointment, no regret, just peace and love and joy. And, I hope, cookies. I hope there are cookies in heaven. And the lamb cutlets, yes. I'll ask God for that. So living your best life means living the way that God has designed you to live. Got it? Simple, right? Well, sort of. Because even though it might be true that living your best life means living the way that God has designed you to live, what does that look like? How does Peter live the way that God has designed him to live? How do those online live the way that God has designed them to live? Well, repentance is a good place to start. Because in order to realize the greatness of all that God has done and all that he has conquered, we first need to recognize the enormity of our own sin and mistakes and selfishness and defiance against the one who gave us everything, and the one who loved us despite all of our wrongdoing. And repentance simply means admitting that you haven't been living the way that God has designed you to live, and choosing now to live God's way. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 tell us other ways that God has designed us to live. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So there are many attributes that God has designed us to live by. It's all all in the Bible. You can read all about it in there. Are you reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible daily? Because if you want more wisdom, read your Bible. If you want to know God more, read your Bible. If you want to live your best life, Read your Bible. Now, as I said, there are many attributes that God wants us to live by. It's all in the Bible. And I don't have time to go through all of them today, but I want to focus on one. Today I want to focus on faith in God. I feel like faith in God is something that we don't properly understand, whether as as non-Christians or new Christians, but I feel like even mature Christians... Can, can start to lose this faith in God as we let life circumstances and disappointments and unmet expectations take a hold of our mind and get in the way of our faith. But what is faith in God? It's not wishful thinking like God is somewhere out there in the sky. Even if you truly believe He exists, that alone is not faith in God. Even if you believe without a doubt that Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the grave after three days, that alone 
is not faith in God. Because Satan knows that God exists. Satan knows that Jesus died for our sins and rose again after three days. But he doesn't have faith in God. So what is faith in God? I've broken it down into two parts. Firstly, believe, believing that God is everything that the Bible says he is. So the Bible says that he's our saviour. The Bible says he's our healer, our provider, our source of joy and peace and purpose, and that he's the Lord of our life. Belief, our second thing is belief in action. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. You might firstly believe that God is your source of peace. And so secondly, you put that belief into action by choosing to rest in his peaceful presence when life gets chaotic. Instead of living like peace is only possible when life has zero difficulty and zero struggles. Or another example, you could firstly believe that God is all-knowing and all-powerful and working out a plan for good in your life. And secondly, you can put that belief into action by letting go of your need to control everything. Because if you're trying to control everything, then you're saying, well, God, either you don't know what I need or you're not able to give me what I need, so I'm going to make that happen. But that's not the case. We need to let control go so that God can do what he knows is good and work out his plan for our good. Because let's, let's be honest, we don't really need, know what we need. We know what we want, but we don't know what we need. This is why we read in James chapter 2, verse 26, that faith without deeds is dead. Because if your faith does not lead to a change in your thinking, a change in your attitude, a change in the way you speak, a change in the way you live, then you don't truly have faith. You just have a knowledge of who God is, but faith in God means belief in action. Why am I focusing on faith in God? Because we can't please God without faith. I'll say it again. We can't please God without faith. Am I making anyone uncomfortable yet? If so, good. Because sometimes the Bible makes us uncomfortable because it challenges us to turn away from our fleshly desires like greed, selfishness, pride. And it shows us that living your best life means living the way that God has designed you to live. If you still don't believe that we can't please God without faith, see it for yourselves in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. I've put it in red there for you. Without faith it is impossible to please him. Where do you need to step out in faith today? Or in other words, what belief do you need to develop into action? Whether you're new to this Christianity thing or maybe you've been following Jesus for 40 years, I guarantee you that there's at least one thing that God is challenging you to develop from just belief into action. He might be asking you, to go from believing that he is able to bless people financially to believing that he will provide for your finances, as we heard with Margaret. 
Or maybe he's asking you to go from believing that he can mend relationships to then praying with hope that he will restore your marriage. Be aware, though, that just because you pray for it, it doesn't mean it will definitely happen. For example, you might be praying, God, I pray that you would help my wife to realize that she's wrong and I'm right and that she's being so ridiculous. Amen. Oh, I heard no. Just because you pray for it doesn't mean God will answer it. Now, now he might. He might might answer it. I'm not going to say whether he will or not. But he often likes to grow you through a tough situation rather than taking you out of a tough situation. And so instead of answering your prayer for your wife to realize how ridiculous she is being, even if she is being ridiculous, he might be saying to you, we're going to stay here a bit longer so that you can learn to put your pride away and you can be the emotional support to your wife that I have designed you to be. I may or may not be speaking from experience here. So ridiculous. Okay. Now, now, in this example, in this completely hypothetical situation that I've never been in, living your best life, living the way that God has designed you to live, is a change of heart and attitude and trust. Stepping out in faith or belief in action, it doesn't have to be something big like starting a new church or moving to a new country or preaching the word of God to millions of people. What God wants, how God has designed us to live, is to have our hearts in the right place. If you grew up as a kid in church, you probably would have memorized John chapter 3, verse 16. So if you know it, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Does it say, for God so loved the world that whoever starts a new church shall not perish but have eternal life? No, it says, whoever believes in him. So all we need to do is believe in God, not do some huge outward action. Now, what the Bible is talking about here is not just a head knowledge belief, but it's talking about belief in action. Or what we read about before, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 Galatians 5.22. Do we read that the fruit of the Spirit is moving to a foreign country and telling a thousand people about Jesus with a minimum of 80% of them converting to Christianity? No. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. None of these are inherently extravagant outward actions, but all of them start in the heart. God wants to work on your heart and your mind and that inward transformation will overflow into outward actions. Get your heart in the right place first. Everything else will naturally flow on from there. How's your prayer life? When you pray, do you just go through the motions like, God, help me to get a pay rise this year. Help Mary to get better. 
help John to find a new job, and help my wife to realize she's wrong. Amen. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for those things. Well, okay, maybe, maybe not the last one. <laughs> but are you just firing off these prayers like a spiritual wish list without realizing the power, the might, the sovereignty, as well as the love and grace of the God to whom you're praying? If you took a hold of these truths, then maybe your prayer would become, God, I thank you that you have already blessed me with this job and that this job has helped me to buy all the food I need and pay the bills and even buy some nice things for myself. And God, I pray now that you would help me to get this pay rise, not just so I get a little bit more for myself, but so that I can bless others even more than I already do. And God, for Mary, I thank you that you are our healer. I praise you because... There is no sickness, no injury, no disease that you can't heal. And so I ask and believe that you would heal all of Mary's sickness in Jesus' name. Amen. When you pray, don't just say words, but pray believing that you're praying to the same God that you read about in the Bible, the God that healed all disease and restored sight to the blind. You're praying to a God who knew you in your mother's womb. You're praying to a God who raised the dead and who created time itself. Get a hold of this knowledge. Understand it. Believe it. Turn that belief into action and watch your prayer life radically transform. Spend some time today with God asking Him where He wants you to have faith in Him. Or in other words, what belief He wants you to turn into action. But I have a question for you. Is there something stopping you from developing your belief into action? Maybe you know where God wants you to, to turn your belief into action, but you don't want to give up the life you've got. It could be that you're really comfortable where you are in life. And so you think that if I say yes to God, I'll have to give up all the pleasures in my life. Or maybe your life already has so many struggles. And so you think if I say yes to God, I'll have to do even more work and make even more sacrifices. And that's just capacity I don't have enough to give. If it was boring to live a life of faith, if it was too difficult or not worth the work to live a life of belief in action, then why did so many people in the Bible live lives full of faith? And why did they continue to go wherever and do whatever God called them to, despite the pain, the persecution, the rejection? Well, it's because when they stepped out in faith, when they put their belief in action. They experienced God shaping them and molding them. They saw God do the impossible in their lives. They saw God defeat giants in front of them. They saw him literally rain food down from the sky. They saw him part the sea. They experienced him defeating enemy armies in front of them without them having to lift a single sword. When they stepped out in faith, 
They saw sickness healed. They saw the lame walk. And check this out. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 12, Joshua publicly prayed for the sun to stand still. And God made it happen. The sun was in the sky and it didn't go down for another whole day. Whatever pleasures you think you'll have to give up to step out in faith, or whatever sacrifices you think you'll have to make in order to live a life of belief in action, they will not even come close to the freedom and the purpose and the love and the grace that you'll experience as you partner with the living God and live your best life. There's one other thought that I feel is holding some people back from putting their belief into action. It might be a conscious thought or it might be a subconscious thought, but but this is it. The thought is, why would God use me? I'm nothing special. I've definitely been there in my life. But you know what? That's exactly why God wants to use you. If you think you lack skill or you're unqualified, you're not cool enough, you've made too many mistakes in your life, you've hardly got any followers on Instagram, you're a bit socially awkward. Has anyone felt like any of this before? Just me, cool. (laughs) Well, I'm assuming there would be some people here who didn't put their hands up because you're a bit socially awkward. So, God, God wants to use you. You're exactly the type of person that God wants to use in big ways. Because when God does amazing things in your life, you can't say, well, I'm, because I'm so great and have all this skill, that's why this was successful. But if you're, if you're awkward and you're unskilled and unqualified and God does big things in your life, you can only say, well, God did it. It's all God. I couldn't have done it myself. And we see that happening in the Bible many times. God used Gideon to win a great battle, even though, in Gideon's own words, he was the least in his father's house, and his clan was the weakest in Manasseh. Even still, God used Gideon and only 300 men to defeat an army that the Bible describes as as numerous as locusts, and where they had camels that were too great to number. God called David, the youngest and least important in his family, to be king over all of Israel. God chose Mary, some young and unimportant young girl, to be the mother, and the, of, the mother of the savior of the world. And God used Jesus, some humble carpenter from the little town of Bethlehem, to bring truth into the world, to challenge the hypocrisy of the religious elite and to pay the penalty of death for sin. That was our price to pay. But then to defeat death by raising Jesus again to life after three days. So if you think you haven't got what it it takes to succeed, you're right. But the good thing is, God is already enough. And so he doesn't need you to have these big qualifications or have achieved all these great things in order to use you All he needs is your willing heart, your faith in him, your belief in action. Let's recap what we've looked at today. Living your best life is not a nice holiday. Living your best life is not a massaged mushroom. Living your best life is living the way that God has designed you to live. 
And there are many attributes that God has designed us to live by, like repentance and the fruit of the Spirit, and you can read all about them in the Bible, but you have to have faith in God in order to please Him. And you have to have faith in God in order for God to move in your life. Though, God can do anything, so I'm not saying that, but God can do anything, but if you want God to move, have faith in Him. And finally, God might not be calling you to something big and extravagant in your life right now. He might later, but He might just be working on a change in your attitude. He might just be changing your thoughts on how you pray. He might just want you to change where you look for for joy. Husbands, He might be asking you to change the way that you speak to your wives. Wives, He might be asking you to, to change the way you speak about your husbands. Everybody, he might be asking you to, to change the way you think and speak about yourself. Whether that's because you have more pride in yourself than you ought to, or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you always talk yourself down and beat yourself up about how you've made so many mistakes and you've missed all those opportunities and you're not lovable and God can't use you. As I was preparing this message, I felt like God wanted me to say that That's a lie. Someone needs to hear that today. Because if you've accepted Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, then He makes up for every inadequacy and every mistake, every regret, every weakness in your life so that Father God sees you as perfect, holy, blameless, accepted, and as His child, holy and dearly loved. Let me leave you with three questions. Sorry, I didn't click the slide before. Are you going to put your belief into action? Secondly, are you going to live the way that God has designed you to live? And thirdly, I want to see some hands in the air for this one. Who's ready to live their best life? Yeah, great. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to earth and and he showed us by his life how to live our best life. And so God, I pray that each and every one of us here would be daily in our Bibles reading about you, reading about how Jesus lived, reading about the way that you want us to live our best life, God. And I thank you that that you've brought each and every person here today or online and, and And that this is where we can learn how to really live our best life, God. Take away all the distractions of social media and whatever society says we should be doing. But God, help us to come back to you, the truth, the source of joy, the source of purpose. And God, we say collectively today that we choose to live the way that you have designed us to live. We choose to put our belief into action. So God... Whatever we believe about you, God, help us. Give us the courage to to step out and, and put that into action. God, continue to strengthen us and be with us. And God, I thank you that, that you are the best way to live and that whatever happens in this life, if we have chosen Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then we've only got better and better things to look for, to look forward to after this life. God, I thank you for everything you've done and for every person here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.